0: You are all weirdos. Weird Science is the revolution. Weird Science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics podcast, where I'm going to be going through a bunch of books in our Streamline approach, and... I'll lose my mind over, say, the dark web stuff, which I don't know. I'm I'm not going to try to be mean or anything, but it is garbage. I, I don't want to, you know, mince words here or anything, but it is rough. And I think that most people can agree on that. But we also have a couple other things, Moon Knight, Daredevil, stuff like that, as I continue to not only just catch up to all of the books, but maybe expand the coverage and all that going on. So we'll see. It's a, a process here and we're going to trust the process as they did in Philadelphia at one point, though it didn't really work out as great as they thought. So maybe this trusting the process will work out a little bit better. But before we go off to the books, please go to Twitter and follow us at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you on back. Go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com to check out written reviews each and every week. Also go to our YouTube channel which is Weird Science Comics, and then go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can help us out for all of the shows on this regular feed, the Star Wars X-Men and this show, but also get a ton of shows in return. Each level gets more and more shows until you get up to the level of bad asses up, you get fresh crew, who get to even pick all of the things that we do. So, Check that out, as I said, patreon.com slash weirdscience But without further ado, we're going to get into these books And we're going to start out with the dark web stuff Which, again, it's driving me insane But we're here to do it We're going to try to have fun with it, right? We'll have fun with the nonsense And away we go Some mind explained that from the psychoactive goo, which is cooling, Yeah, that's called up. Out. Mm, now. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Amazing Spider Man number 17. And this dark web event is just a joke. The problem is, it seems like Zeb Wells and company seem to delight in making it just that. And notice I didn't say anything about it being funny. Because, boy, if you have been annoyed at the tone of Dark Web so far, you are going to lose it. Let's start with the credits and the recap. It is amazing. Spider-Man number 17, written by Zeb Wells, art by Ed McGinnis, inks by Cliff Rathburn, colors by Marcelo Menyes, and letters by DC's Joe Caramagna. Hell has been brought to New York City, and Spider-Man's clone Ben Riley, a.k.a. Chasm, is to blame. In their first fight, Chasm pulled out all the stops, showing off his new shape-shifting, psychoactive webbing and offensive Spidey sense. There's a lot in this that has been pretty offensive, I'll tell you. But laying the beat down on Peter was only step one in Ben's plan for vengeance. Ben also brought Spidey, J. Jonah Jameson, and Robbie Robertson to limbo. But to what end? I mean, really, that's what I want to know. Very much so, because, boy... This issue is nonsense. In my review for Amazing Spider-Man number 16, I said the cliffhanger with Peter showing up for work in Limbo was one of the stupidest looking things I've seen in quite some time. And pretty much I was right. But also this issue seemed to take it as a challenge and straight away told me to hold it Zima. And I say, that's what they drink in Limbo. See, I can play lame joke game too, right? There isn't a page or even a panel that seems to go by in this issue without trying to get a chuckle out of the reader. The problem is it never happens. Listen, I kind of think that there is a bit of maybe a subtle play here telling the same lame-ass jokes over and over and over because, hey, this is limbo. I think I'm giving them too much credit because it never amounts to anything. And our human POV characters, Robbie, Jonah, and Peter, just seem annoyed, more like just annoyed that they're in limbo in general, not like annoyed because, oh, my God, we keep getting the same things over and over again. So, again, I think I'm giving Zeb Wells credit here. I don't think there's a subtle bone in his body. So we get demons constantly messing up names and phrases. That is just constant. A demonized bed that wants to have sex with Jonah. All right. And pretty much just more and more Just lame-ass crap While all this is going on Ben Riley Chasm, shows up And tries to convince Peter To eat a soul-stealing apple Which was actually the name of my Grunge band Back in 93 But of course Peter says no So what is a Chasm to do? Well, of course he's going to make up A messed-up version of the Sinister Six Now, this could be fun, right? They're called the Insidious six. but what, what? What? Like it, I, I don't get it. I mean, I get it, but I, it's not funny. Now, these are the jokes. This, this is it. Maybe some people will get a kick out of the Madball version of Doc Doc, but nothing feels clever. Everything feels ham-fisted and forced. Where you almost feel like the, the writers and Zeb Wells himself is like watching you read it, waiting for that chuckle. And you just feel bad for him. You just feel bad that somebody has written this issue in a way that is so unfunny, but yet you know it's supposed to be the opposite. So it's just crazy. And seriously, seeing a mashup amalgam version of the Sinister Six, is that anything new to Marvel readers of the past couple of years? We've seen this in just about every single book that Marvel puts out. So why not play the game of making fun of that? Poke some fun at things. Actually go beyond the surface-level bullshit that you think is funny here. Because this is not funny. This ends up being so annoying that you get angry reading it. I'm angry talking about it. The best part of the issue, though, was seeing Madeline Pryor almost as annoyed as I was by this nonsense. She shows up and says, what the hell are you doing? And then makes a joke, these demons are on loan. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's terrible. The issue continues then with a demon inspired by a Parker Pete man. That's their joke, not mine. To be a hero, but unfortunately ends up backwards. And I say that because sadly that's actually another running gag in this issue. Having things be backwards. Who ends up being the cliffhanger obstacle for Jonah, Robbie, and Spider-Man trying to get back to Earth. And seriously, I don't know if you can tell, I'm angry right now. This issue is a kick to the balls to Ben Reilly fans, right? Anyone who defended Zebwell's Spider-Man run before Dark Web, I did that at one point. I look like a fool. Readers thinking this was going to be a meaningful event, and it, it actually is a kick to the balls, probably the citizens of Denmark and fans of the band Dead Eye Dick. Remember them? Plus everyone in between. I'm giving Amazing Spider-Man number 17 a 2.5 out of 10. And I just, I can't see anyone continuing this event after this issue, but I know we all will. We're suckers like that. And Marvel and Zeb Wells is taking advantage of that a hundred. Percent and i am a sucker so we will continue uh, this whole podcast with more of the dark web celebration with dark web miss marvel number two and boy it is a big number two indeed i want to repeat though a couple things i said at the beginning of my review for the first issue of dark web miss marvel first i am a miss marvel fan second a lot of writers straight up stink at writing her after these two issues. I think that Sabir Perzada really fits into that there mold. Am I being harsh? Yes. Am I being too harsh? No. No, not at all. But let's start off with the credits and a little bit of the recap. This is, as I said, Dark Webmas Marvel number two, written by Sabir Perzada, art by Francesco Martorino, colors by Proto Bunkers, Dono Sanchez Elmara, and Fernando Sifuentes, and letters by VC's Ariana Mayer. How about this? Reporting to work at her Oscorp internship, which really made no sense, Kamala and her lab partner, Erjun were suddenly assaulted by previously inanimate tech throughout the facility. If you remember, you had a lot of trash-talking microscopes. Oh, my. Little did they know that this was the work of Ben Riley, and Madeline Pryor, the clones of Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, and Jean Grey, a.k.a. Marvel Girl, now known as Chasm, and the Goblin Queen, who have unleashed the demons of Limbo on New York City in their quest for revenge, and maybe for giggles, and maybe to annoy me. All of them. After escaping the lab, Miss Marvel confronted Chasm, but he recited an ancient incantation that teleported her directly to Limbo itself. And so, what are we going to get here? Well, I just, I told you that this dark web event sucks, right? Did I, did I tell you that? Well, I, I'm going to tell you it again. It sucks. Well, also let me save you some money here and tell you straight up, there's no reason to buy this issue. Review over, but really not over because there's still some shade to be thrown. Now you can take the money that you save in not buying this issue. Maybe to, you know, subscribe to some Patreon, like patreon.com slash weird science. I don't know. Or you can get a fancy coffee. You know, you could get one of those coffees with Chino at the end. And if this book was a fancy coffee, it certainly would be a crappuccino indeed. So what is going to go on in this issue? Because I'm going to tell you what's going to go on. So then you really will realize that you don't have to buy it or should stay clear. Wide berth. And here's what happens. The issue opens with the inventor. You know, the clone of Thomas Edison mixed with a cockatiel confronting his creator, Gregory Knox. Now, these are legit characters. These are characters that were in the first big run of Miss Marvel. The problem is, does Perzada realize these characters have been MIA for over seven years? Because there's no attempt at all to explain much of anything that's going on to the readers here and what's going on between these two characters. Now, Some Miss Marvel fans will know. I I recognize the characters, but even I said, oh, man, what are those guys? You know, it took me a bit. But the thing is, this is an event book, so it's insane to just plop them in here like this because there are going to be a ton of readers who will have no idea what is going on between them. Well, once we do head off the limbo, things get a little easier To kind of go with because really we're just Dealing with the bull crap that we got From the first issue well Kamala She ends up she's stuck in limbo She's pissed off she wants to get Back to New York City so what do you do you yell At demons until they just end up Opening a portal to get back to New York City where she Sees her now senient mosque Walking through the Hudson River Alright so I want To give props though a bit of props To Prasada for not trying To put jokes on every page like some writer whose name rhymes with Web Zells, you know. But I'm not so sure. I, I think there might be some jokes here. I'm really I'm trying to figure it out. There might be some jokes here, but they're just so unfunny that they just come off as bad dialogue. It really is a, very much of a possibility. But since it seems like there are no rules to this event whatsoever. Suddenly, Kamala is confronted by more famous inventor-slash-bird hybrids, led by the inventor Edison. The big zinger here, though, is what Kamala says, and, and pretty much her quote is, you guys aren't famous inventors, you're just birds. All right. <laughs> All right. There you go. This is what I'm saying. Was that a joke? Bad dialogue? Mix of both? I, I have no idea. Well, Miles Morales then shows up, but Kamala has to send him off to deal with the senient mosque. But in the end, the mosque is just upset at all the bickering in the community. So when everybody promises that they'll get along better, the mosque kind of calms down and everything's fine, I guess. It seems weird, but that's how it kind of goes. And then the issue continues with the rest of the inventor birds bailing on Edison. Kamala then gets zapped by Edison Bird, which changes her costume into Captain Marvel's costume because, quote, her subconscious desires that. Then she turns into a worm that gets eaten by Edison, but then Bruno shows up to zap Edison Bird because he's mostly robot. I I don't know what the hell is going on in this book. This book is so all over the place. It's like one of those things. It's doing so much that it's doing nothing at all except confusing me. And I'm not even that mad at this book because it's so ridiculously bad that I did get a chuckle out of it. And at least Bruno and Kamala get a nice moment then before Miles returns to tell Kamala that the grew wings and everything's great. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. Also, Miles who really did nothing, tells Kamala that he did nothing while thinking, what would Miss Marvel do? And I really think that's just straight-up shade there. The end. It just ends. That That's it. And I mean, the end. And I was never so excited to see the end in anything quite like this. But I'll give Perzada some credit here. They came up with their own unique way to fail. Instead of over-the-top jokes, this is just a, a poorly written issue. That does nothing at all for the event, does nothing at all for Miss Marvel, does nothing at all for anybody, and it should just be avoided. The art is good enough, but it can't save this train wreck of an issue or train wreck of two issues. That's why I'm giving this one a 3.5 out of 10. All right, let's continue the dark web love fest, why don't we? And hope that Mary Jane, Black Cat, and Jed McKay, the trio, can somehow, somehow make Something good out of this Mess of an event Mary Jane and Black Cat number two And let's not um, Let's not waste time (laughs) Let's just get right to the credits and the recap Ah yes This is written by Jed McKay Art by Vincenzo Caraccio I know I'm saying that wrong I have to be saying that wrong Please if anybody knows how to pronounce it Let me know (laughs) I apologize in advance Colors Brian Reber Letters by VCs Ariana Mayer Here we go. We're having a recap here that has a lot of AKAs, a.k.a. everything. I'm going to add my own in as well. I want to get involved in this game here. Mary Jane Watson and Felicia Hardy, a.k.a. the Black Cat, are in a bit of a jam, a.k.a. trouble. Ever since Ben Riley, a.k.a. Chasm, and Madeline Pryor, a.k.a. the Goblin Queen, opened the doors to limbo, demonic spirits have been possessing everyday objects, a.k.a. complete and utter nonsense, wreaking havoc on New York City, a.k.a. the Big Apple. Whew! Felicia made her way across the city to help MJ and her family. That's a favorite of Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man. But when Felicia arrived, she was surprised to find MJ had powers and was fully capable of defending herself. Teaming up, the two women began to fight their way through the city when they were sucked through a portal into limbo, a.k.a. sexy as hell. Or limbo, right? and found themselves face-to-face with Velasco, a.k.a. Limbo's former ruler. We did it. We made it through the a.k.a. recap. Now, what the heck is this issue all about? Well, I will tell you right up front that Mary Jane and Black Cat number 2 is not the worst tie into to Dark Web. problem is I can't really tell you it's necessary either. That's pretty much my biggest complaint. But another complaint I have is that while we're in Dark Web, I don't need Jed McKay to join in with Zeb Wells' nonsense of talking about that big thing that happened to Mary Jane in Amazing Spider-Man without actually talking about anything at all. We even have one of the worst editor's notes. If you are reading Amazing Spider-Man, you go and read this, and you end up where Mary Jane kind of alludes to things and, you know, beats around the bush, as she always does. Uh, And then it says, see Amazing Spider-Man number one. I wanted to slap the comic right upside its comic face. I'm like, I'm not going to go see that again. You didn't tell me crap there. So this whole play is just infuriating for people, I think, that have been reading Zeb Wells' run of Amazing Spider-Man. And then Jed McKay even adds in his own little whammy with these Mary Jane Jackpot powers that just came up in this book. We didn't see them before. We had them last issue. Now we have them again here. Mary Jane starts to explain them a little, but it's more of the consequences of them not actually explaining how she got these powers, what they mean. She seems to have used them a bunch of times because she keeps doing this. And you get this running joke where Black Cat keeps telling her and reminding her, yeah, last issue, your powers made pudding. Okay, yeah. I mean, I guess it is Jed McKay trying to have fun here. But it really isn't that much fun Now, this is a dark web tie-in So we are going to get that sort of fun, right? And I will give Jed McKay some credit here He doesn't get that involved in the -the over-the-top nonsense Thank God we're in limbo So you don't have some of the stuff going on up there in New York City But still, you see that Jed McKay is trying to have fun There's just nothing to the story There's just nothing to dark web, so he really can't grab onto anything because what we have here is the duo having dinner with Belasco, the former ruler of Limbo, and, yeah, really, you have Jeb McKay trying to squeeze some fun out of this where Mary Jane is kind of acting like she's in Temple of Doom with the, ooh, chilled monkey brains, but here it's, is that Unicorn? Is that part of Belasco? And it just everything thuds because overall, there's nothing to this dark web story to really grab onto. And you can tell that that's a fact because while I do like a lot of Jed McKay's Black Cat stuff, including the Mary Jane Black Cat team up during the Beyond story, a lot of this story and this issue is Felicia Wondering what Mary Jane will say when she finds out about Peter. So that's another thing from Amazing Spider-Man. Nothing really to do with this dark web. Mary Jane, she can't shut up about her kids and her husband, this sort of thing. Again, without really telling us much about kids, husband, and then even throw in the power. So most of the stuff that is the main concern of our main characters here have nothing to do. With this dark web, so how we get the dark web stuff is, we get what we always get with Black Cat. It's going to be a generic heist. It's going to be just, hey, I need this. You go get it. Yeah, Blasco wants a soul sword, and this is a way. If you get my soul sword, I'll get you out of limbo. Unfortunately, it is in the Screaming Tower that suddenly reappeared, and pretty much every demon and his cousin are after this. So you end up getting a mad, 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 mad limbo set up here without Buddy Hackett. Without Buddy Hackett, it's not that good. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Now, you end up where, again, Jed McKay's trying, but it's pretty pedestrian action scenes to end up with a cliffhanger where their gal's face to face with yet another former ruler of limbo. Though any kind of surprise here is kind of ruined from earlier seeing that character. And the character was introduced by name then. So you already saw the character and you're like, okay, so at the end, oh, what's going to go on here? And overall, the best way I can describe this issue, it's a quote unquote, not really issue to me. If you ask me questions, was it bad? Not really. Was it good? Not really. Was it necessary? You get my point. Not really. I mean, you could go down the line. It really just ends up being an issue that's thrown out there. It's part of this dark web deal. You could get involved if you want. The thing, though, for me is I get excited anytime Jeb McKay gets to write Black Cat. And I was hoping that this book would actually help me through this dark web event. It would be something that I could end up looking forward to in a sea of issues that I am not looking forward to. And in the end, it didn't really do it. Again, did it help me? Not really. So with that, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. I thought the art was pretty good, but it just felt uninspired. It just felt like no spark at all to it. It's just something where Jed McKay gets to write Black Cat again, and unfortunately, it has to tie into an event, and away we go. So I was a little bit disappointed overall with that. But, all right, that's it for our dark web coverage for this podcast. We're going to get on to some other books. Hopefully, things will pick up here. And screw it. We're going to keep the Jed McKay train rolling. Let's get into the latest issue of Moon Knight. It's Moon Knight number 19. We're just going to jump into the credits and recap right away. It is written by Jed McKay, art by Frederico Sabatini, colors by Rachel Rosenberg, and letters by V.C.'s Corey Petit. The issue is called Blood Moon Rising. And here is the recap. Moon Knight battled the structure, a group of vampires led by Tudor. The Tudor sent the assassins Grand Maul and the Nemean after Moon Knight and his allies. The assassins managed to kill Moon Knight's fellow Fist of Conchu Hunters Moon before they were defeated. A resurrected Hunter's Moon returned to aid Moon Knight during his final battle with the structure, helping to defeat the vampires. Makes it seem cooler. Then what actually did end up happening. I thought that the end of the structure slash Tudor story ended in a dud, where I I don't even think it was that exciting to begin with, the idea where Tudor was doing his whole pyramid schemes. And I said early on, if you didn't have a line where somehow the pyramid schemes come up and you end up having Mark Monite say pyramids are my thing and punching them, now that's some good stuff. We never got that. And also the idea that Hunter's Moon was... He came back almost instantaneously. There wasn't even any real like time to react, in my mind, to him being dead. But we'll get in this issue that the stakes are going to have to be brought back. I'll tell you about that in a second. Meanwhile, the supervillain Zodiac has been in prison since almost destroying the Midnight Mission. Despite being in prison and having a new psychotherapist, Dr. Robert Plesko, Zodiac very much remains a threat. Does he, does he remain a threat? What he remains a threat to me, actually, is to my waking hours, because he bores the crap out of me, and his nonsense talk almost put me to sleep. So take that. Take that <laughs> there, uh, Zodiac. But here we go. And Moon Knight number 19 is a cool-down setup issue after ending the Tudor structure story. Last issue. I've been down on this book for a while now and really need something to grab me again. But sadly, it's not going to be Commodore Donald Planet saying laddie every other sentence. Or Zodiac waxing poetic about comics, jazz, and supervillains, and which one is the true American original. Th- that sort of thing, it really sounds like Zodiac is sitting there at some party, smoking pot and talking about nonsense to drive me nuts. That That's what it feels like completely. And I don't like that. So Captain Planet might have been a little fun and is a cool Moon Knight callback. And I'll give Jed McKay some credit here in this issue. There are some pretty good Moon Knight callbacks, if you are aware of them. But do they do anything in the long run? Do they make a better story or are they just there To be there are they callbacks for Callbacks sake because Commodore Planet he shows Up here This isn't the type of story That he fits into In my mind and I think that It's a struggle to have him Fit in and really feels Off the whole time It's okay though since he's Just here to give Moon Knight and Hunter's Moon Someone to fight as they Discuss the pros and cons of being the immortal fists of Kanchu. Now, that almost veers towards the, you know, hey, let's sit around and smoke pot and talk about nonsense, right? That's kind of the theme here. And that, that kind of fits with the Moon Knight story. But it's okay, because to me, this whole conversation and reveal that Khonshu won't be able to resurrect anyone anymore was just to bring back the stakes into the book after Hunter's Moon was killed and instantly brought back last art. And because you can't just have it now where you have established in this book, well, you know, the fists of country, they don't die. They come back. Well, I think that Jeb McKay realizes, well, that's kind of playing the devil's hand here because nobody's going to be at the edge of their seat for anything. And that really does make both Hunter's Moon and Moon Knight able to just go and do whatever they please. And there is a smart little deal in this where, Mark's kind of thinking about that idea of, well, we're not really immortal, because if the Fists of Kanchu were immortal, we wouldn't be them. You'd still have the way, way back in the day ones still going on. We're pretty new. So why would that be? And Hunter's going, you know what? That, that makes sense. Now, again, we're kind of getting into the smoke in the pot deal again. But say people like that, right? Well, while all this is happening. The imprisoned Zodiac is verbally sparring with Robert Plesco, Moon Knight's associate and former member of a shadow cabinet. Another cool callback, but does it do much? Zodiac's well aware of who Plesco is and is pretty pleased with himself for messing with Mark until Plesco tells him that Soldier, whom Zodiac thought he killed, was still alive, pretty much meaning that Zodiac did nothing at all to screw with Moon Knight. He even thinks that he, he wants to think that he's this big thing. He keeps saying like, Oh, well, I did this and Mark's probably running away from me and all scared. And I've upset his family and all this stuff. Well, we already, they already said it in the recap. He almost destroyed the midnight mission. Well, really what he did was give the opportunity for Mark to improve it. Now we have haunted house midnight mission because of what, you know, Zodiac tried to do. So that was a fail. Then he thinks that he killed Soldier. Well, he didn't. He finds this out, and he goes from it. It's funny, too, because you're setting up Zodiac to kind of come back as the villain, and you have him there talking a lot of crap. That's pretty cool. And then the minute that Flesco tells him, oh, no, you didn't hear? Soldier's still alive. He pretty much ends up looking like a sad sack failure. I don't know that that plays out well if you want him to come back. As the big villain, it was pretty obvious that all of this was just setting up the next big arc. But I can't say anything here got me intrigued much at all, including seeing Herb and Sheila Hollister, the Harlequin hitman as the issue's cliffhanger. Again, a neat little callback to things, little you know, grass from the past. But eh, we'll see, we'll see. I, I don't, I don't like the pish posh, you know, cliffhangers of what's going to come next. Because anything can be great so i hope that it is but just seeing them there at the end and thinking that most people won't even know what that means or what it is that's nothing that's going to be like oh man i got to read this next issue and all of that all combined i'm going to give the issue a 6.5 out of 10 federico sabatini's art's okay but it's inconsistent and i really wish we had alessandro capuccio back on the book i guess if you've been loving every issue so far You'll continue loving this, but overall, I'm getting bored with this book. I need something more. I need something to hook me in, and this just was – I don't think that this was supposed to be that. This is just a setup issue, but I'm still – I'm waiting for something to get the hooks back into me, and I need that quick. I really do. All right, well, my scores haven't been great this (laughs) week, but it's been a rough week for me. But we're going to go up to something that usually gets me going, usually saves the week. It is Chip Zdarsky. It is Daredevil, and we'll go to that next. Daredevil number seven, and we'll get right into the credits and recap to start this here off. It is written by Chip Zdarsky, with art by Raphael De La Torre and Marco Caccetto, inks by Elisabetta D'Amico, colors by Matthew Wilson, and way down below letters by VCs Clayton Coles. Here is the recap, and there's something in this that I'll discuss right after the idea of what is important. What is big in this book? And there is something that should be humongous that really seems like Chip Zdarsky doesn't really care that much about, and it's very odd to me, but here it is. Daredevil is married, if you didn't know, and that's, you know, he's married. He's married to Elektra. I wish that they actually said that, too, but they do get to it. Centuries ago, a group named The Fist was formed to stand in opposition to the sadistic and violent ninja clan, The Hand. After a grueling ritual, Matt Murdock and Electra Nachios have emerged as the Fist King and Queen, and that's as sexy as it sounds. Matt and Electra broke in the Myrmidian and offered the incarcerated criminals there an opportunity to rehabilitate themselves, the Fist Island stronghold, in exchange for their aid against the hand. So they ended up breaking out all these superhero, you know, criminals, supervillains, things, taking them to this island and saying, okay, we're going to let you kind of stay here, hang out, We're going to accept you and you're going to fight the hand with us, which at this point seems like a suicide mission. But hey, it's better than being in prison. The hand has kidnapped an unknown number of world leaders and replaced them with death worshiping puppets, Okay, framing Electra for the assassination of the president of the United States in the process. And that's where I kind of step back and say, wait a second, the world thinks that Electra has killed the president of the United States. Why isn't this a bigger thing? Why isn't this something that is really big? I mean, this is... Uh, but yet it's even mentioned in this issue as almost like, a, well, what do you know? You killed the president. <laughs> it's like this throwaway line throwing shade. It should be bigger. This should be bigger. The idea that this issue deals with Matt and a bunch of guys going off to Charlotte, North Carolina, To make sure some people aren't evicted wrongly Seems like a little less of a thing Than, oh my god, Electra was framed For assassinating the president of the United States But here we are, you end up with this Emboldened by their new leader, the Punisher The hand is poised to remake the world in its image Unless Matt and Electra can stop them So it's up to the king and queen of the sexy fist To get down and take down that hand Well, Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil run was one of my favorite books for years. And while I was wary of Electra becoming Daredevil, I ended up liking that as well. After Devil's Reign, though, I just don't know. It's not getting me. I'm not hooked in. I can't get into Matt's Rehabilitation Island story. You know, hey, we're going to treat these prisoners this, that, and the other way. I just, I'm not that into it. And while the upcoming showdown between the fist and the hand might be cool, I'm not excited about it right now. Maybe because I dropped Jason Aaron's Punisher book. Maybe if I'd been reading that and people who are reading it, you can let me know if that's kind of up the ante for you. I just didn't like the book, so I ended up dropping it. But I'm still, I I get it. I'm still excited once we get, and I say I'm excited. I'm not. But when we get to Fist versus Ham, which seems to be coming up pretty quick, you know, I'll be there for it. We'll see how it is. I have seen a lot of people complaining about Sadarsky's politics and social commentary in this book. And in this issue in particular, of course, supporters of it will bring up the fact that this sort of thing has always been in comics, which is true. Politics, social commentary have always been part of comics. But Sadarsky seems to have gotten less and less subtle with his themes lately. With that said, my problem with this book right now isn't the politics or commentary itself, but the fact that it is so damn boring to read. I am not enjoying while I read this. I think it's pretty boring in a book that I was loving every single page turn for years. I was bored through most of this issue and hope that the upcoming war with Frank Castle and the hand breaks up this monotony. So what happens in this issue? Well, Matt and his sus fist crew help some wrongfully evicted people in North Carolina maybe keep their apartments. I mean, everybody's beating up everyone. And seriously, I don't really even know who is right or wrong in most of this. And I'm not making a stance here. I'm not getting on my soapbox. It's just that everything here is kind of presented without info, so surface level that it almost gets to be silly by the end. But while this is going on, Stiltman, Stiltman, he steps it up and is a hero, which kind of shows you that while Sadarsky's hand fisting this big message of his, it's actually a comic booky thing that shines through. And is what I'll probably remember of what little I'll remember from this issue. I'll, I'll remember when Stoltman saved that kid. I'm not going to sit there and say a year from now, Hey, remember when, you know, Matt and his guys went in because there was this wrongfully evicted people and they were going to demolish this thing. And that, that's in and out of one ear out the other I've already forgotten about that But still, Ben, he stepped it up a comic booky thing Which actually shine through here And after all that Bullet, who has been the POV character of Matt's rehab Island, he decides he wants To stay in the States with his son Because, you know, prison takes Fathers away from sons and sons away From fathers uh, But you know what else takes sons away from fathers? The Punisher and the Hand because yep, it looks like the straw that broke the camel's back, as Matt is is that, as Matt, Electra, and their ragtag team go off to take on Fragcastle on the hand, even though Matt knows this is a trick, a trap, and also knows that his team, his squad, is nowhere near ready to go and fight the hand, and they're not. I mean, as it stands here, they might all get slaughtered. And I said it already. But I was bored through most of this issue. The art's a bit rough, too, which didn't help matters either. And I'm going to give this a 5.5 out of 10 and hope that things do get better starting next issue. Maybe the final, you know, finally we'll get to hand versus fist. Though so I, I can't see it happening that much with the idea that Matt's team, they're not ready. So we'll see. We'll see how it is. But a 5.5 out of 10. I I hope things get better. I really do. But that's it. I, I wish that I had better scores this week. I just didn't like many of the books, but that can always change. And that's the kind of deal here. When I do the reviews and any of the podcasts I'm on, I'm not just reviewing a book because, oh, I don't like that and I'm never going to like it. Or I love it and I'll always love it. Go individual issues And that's the best part Is it can always get better Now it can get worse But it always can get better That next issue And and I'm pretty sure that a lot of these will The dark web, that's that's done I mean, the idea, that is a lost cause But eventually we'll get done with it And then we can start like at some of the other books again But Daredevil, I think, will improve And Moon Knight, I think, will improve We just have to get back to something that's harder hitting then say the pyramid schemes of Tudor and the whole deal of this one shot, not one shot, but kind of setup issue. But I do think we'll get there. So, with all of that, thanks everybody for listening. Please uh, go over to the Twitter at WS Marvel Comics, follow us, we'll follow you back. Go to our website to see written reviews at uh, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. dot and then go to our. YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics and our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. A lot of things at the end there. I'm surprised that I even remembered them, but thanks everybody for listening. I hope you continue enjoying this new format going on and we'll just keep going. We'll catch up with some other things. I didn't talk about all the issues that I was going to this week, so we'll kind of piggyback them over into next week with some of the new ones as well, like we did this week. So, thanks everybody. And I will talk to you all later. Go read comics. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.